the second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't boo. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Philly Frenetics podcast. I'm Joe, he's John. Hey John, how was your Thanksgiving? I know uh I know it was a few days ago and and we're we're recovering from the holiday weekend to various degrees. Did you uh did you get to see some family? Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was good. I got to see uh got to see some family, but uh, I'm not recovering from the family. I think we're all recovering from what was for the most part a pretty bad Philadelphia sports weekend until... No, it wasn't, John. No, it wasn't. I You're said just prioritizing wrong. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. How, how was your actual Thanksgiving? Did you do any cooking? Did you do any contributing? Or did you let other people just feed you? Both answers, by the way, perfectly acceptable. No cooking was done by me. I think everyone realized that's a smart move. So I, I, I was happy. Was everybody else happy with it? Yeah, I didn't do any cooking. That's why they were happy. <laughs> I had a fairly quiet Thanksgiving. However, I did spend a large portion of the holiday, I won't call it a break, but the holiday weekend, watching the the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary, which I then worked into my quick picks, and that's the last we're going to talk about quick picks. But uh, it, it's uh, if you're a fan of the band, you've probably already seen it at this point, but if you're a music fan or a fan of creativity in any way, it's it's a real fascinating watch. Um, a slightly less fascinating watch, John. I spent my day at jury duty. Not my whole day, but a, a portion of my day on jury duty today. Oh, that's how we're going to do it. I thought you were going to lead right into the Eagles that way. I didn't know jury duty was going to be the thing. Didn't I say we were going to get to them? We did. We did. This is this is what's wrong with people in this town. We want to go right to the negative. We want to go right to the negative and, and, and dwell on that. We'll get there. We'll talk we about the positives of jury session. duty, please. Well, it wasn't really a positive. So this morning, well, yesterday, uh, I was at the Union playoff match, which we will also talk about before we talk about the Eagles. I don't bring my wallet to the Union games. I usually bring a money clip with my driver's license, credit card, cash. It's just easier to keep in your pocket. It's not as bulky. Walk across the parking lot. It's quite a long walk where they stuck me. So it reduces your chances of losing these important things. Last night, I knew I had to report at 8 o'clock this morning, and that's not really uh, my time of day. We'll leave it at that. So I thought, I'm going to leave my money clip out. I'll just leave everything there. It'll be easier to go through security. I won't drop anything, whatever. I get out of my car at the courthouse to find that I've left my wallet and money clip at home. I have no ID, no cash, no credit card. I go up to the jury room expecting to have an issue. No, no. I went through security. They took my jury summons. I sat down. Absolutely no idea that I was who I was supposed to be, which was a little concerning to me. They tell us to report at 8 o'clock. People are filtering in 8.15, 8.30. I'm like, what is this? Like, these people should be put on trial now, right? At what point does it become a failure to appear? Because they're really big on warning you against failing to appear. Half of the documents you receive... I think that the ink is about you better show up or you better have an excuse. They didn't do anything with us till nine o'clock in the morning. An hour of sleep that they cost me. 
And then what do we do at nine o'clock? We watched a couple videos. First and foremost, how to get out of the building in case of, of evacuation. And then a video where a judge goes through the jury questionnaire. It was a fairly straightforward questionnaire. It didn't really need explaining, but they explain it. It's about 9.45 when this is over, and they say, okay, you're on break until 10.30. I'm like, I'm sorry, on break? <laughs> what, what did we do, right? So everyone be back here by 10.30. It's like, okay, you're not supposed to really leave the building, I don't think. They have a cafeteria. They have vending machines. But those are things for people with money and, and, and like a way to pay for things. I did not have those things. I don't think the the cafeteria or the vending machines are accepting like scanning your phone. So I'm sitting there, no water. I didn't get coffee on the way. I didn't eat anything. I'm like, this is terrible. Around about 11 o'clock, someone stands up from the from the courthouse and says, "Thanks for your your patience. Uh, we had two cases today. Our morning defendant." decided to plea when they found out there were jurors in the building and our afternoon case got moved up, but they chose a bench trial. You're free to go. And that was it. That was it. Complete and total waste of time. But I did ask the person afterward on my way out and I said, I'm sorry, like, what do you mean by they decided to plea when they found out there was jurors here? Apparently this is something that some defendants do. It's almost like they don't believe they're actually going to go to a trial. And they say, yeah, we're going to have a trial. I want to go to trial. And then the judge says, okay, well, we've got a pool of jurors. Let's go get them. And they say, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. I, I want to cop a plea. Like they're calling the state's bluff or something. And they lose every single time. I thought that was hilarious. But all in all, a pretty miserable morning, which explains why I'm having to stop every five minutes to get a drink of water. I've been at a Pretty big water deficit all day, <laughs> but just just a complete waste of a day. Didn't really get to do anything this afternoon because I was so out of it and dehydrated and hungry, but n not a fun experience. It's my own fault because I had it assigned a couple months ago and had to defer, and so I pushed it back. My advice for everyone, don't push it all the way back. Push it back a little bit to a point where they may have already sent out summons to other people because my standby number was 20 pretty sure when you call the day before, if your number is 20, you're going to have to go. So don't waste your time. Push it back a few weeks, not six or seven weeks. Odds are in your favor. You're going to go. And the odds are, are, well, I wouldn't say they're in your favor. They're just less against you. You're more likely to get to find out, you know, you get the email or call in and find out you don't have to go. But that's my pro tip. That was my experience too. The only time I've gone so far, you know, knock on wood, um, they, you know, both cases, you know, whoever made the announcement absolutely milked it. I think there were three cases and they went settled, settled, bench trial. And like they like they knew that they were going to make this room of strangers really, really happy. <laughs> and it's probably the happiest I've been in a room with with other people at a non-sporting event. Just everyone <laughs> was just really happy. There was there was a literal cheer in the room. Oh, yeah, and then everyone course. went their merry way, got their 12 bucks a couple of weeks later. And, you know, that was it. I think that is representative of a big issue with our judicial system because nobody wants to do it. I would not want to be a defendant who has a jury trial when I'm looking over at what six, eight, 12 people who just want to do anything to get out of there. 
I would not want that to be my jury. I think we need to somehow rework that. That is not for us to do, and it's certainly not for us to do here and now. But I have thoughts. So uh, constitutional scholars, whoever needs to be, get at me. I've got some ideas. Well, I have to, to say, before we get on with the rest of the podcast, one of your old takes on one of my takes is going to be put on trial in this year podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. So it turns out I'm going to be on a jury anyway. Great. Awesome. Hey, John, what are you drinking? Well, in celebration of the union's victory yesterday, Evan Williams, 1783 whiskey. And I believe that's also another important date, 1783 in American history. So I celebrated last night. I shouldn't say celebrated last night. I sort of channeled the spirits, literally channeled Into the your spirits, spirits. <laughs> um, before the shootout. And I figured I would continue that ce- what is now a celebration today with 1783. Are you so, implying hey, you've been drinking for the last 24 hours? No, because I can form a <laughs> sentence. Hey, Joe, what are you drinking? John, I just told you I had to report to the courthouse at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> and that was, what are you drinking? Absolutely in no way brought to you this week by NBC Sports Philadelphia. John, it's almost like they forget we have a soccer team in town. They're posting graphics every quarter, questions about the Eagles. Oh, can the Flyers save the day against the Devils? Spoiler alert, no. Meanwhile, we have another football team in town that is successful and a team that can win a shootout. But I digress. John, the Union have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in club history. Again, I was at Subaru Park yesterday, and again, I saw something... I don't even know how to describe it. I've said before, you can't describe it as unbelievable because you saw it. So you have to believe it. But another incredible ending to a match that I I would never have predicted. I would have told you that it was going to be 1-1, 2-2, and probably go into extra time and maybe penalties. I would never have predicted the penalty shootout go the way it did. And for those of you who maybe the local media hasn't provided you with enough information on how things went. The Union in Nashville tied on points this season. The Union win the tiebreaker by virtue of having more wins. Everywhere else in the world, just about. Goal difference is the first tiebreaker after points. Nashville's coach pointed that out in a press conference after their last game. Just about anywhere else in the world, this match would be in Nashville, but we have to go to Philadelphia. Well, no, my friend. Everywhere else in the world, you wouldn't be playing a playoff game. They don't have those. But I digress. The Union get the home match. 1-1 after 90. 1-1 after extra time. There was no miracle goal like last week. Penalty kicks. Nashville goes first. Hani Mukhtar, possible MVP of the league, scored a, a pretty brilliant goal for them late in the first half to take the lead. He gets up. Union goalkeeper Andre Blake absolutely smothers his attempt. Not a great penalty, more than good enough, and Blake, he guessed correctly, he got there. He smothered that with his body. This was not a, you know, parry it away with your hands kind of save. That was a statement save. You know, it was it was a goalkeeper equivalent of dunking on a guy. Jack Elliott steps up for the Union, puts his penalty home, places going bonkers. Loudest it's ever been. Annabelle Godoy steps up for Nashville, sends one to the right. Blake knocks it away. The place louder than it's ever been. 
Sergio Santos steps up for the union. He gets his penalty save. Let's not talk about it. Alex Moyle, fellow Georgetown Hoya, steps up for Nashville. Now, Blake has made two incredible saves. He's clearly in their head. Moyle sends a penalty almost into the Delaware River. Like, he missed worse than I'd ever seen anybody miss. The place is, again, louder than it's ever been. There were some theme, really bad misses in a that theme little is recurring. Right there, yeah. Jack McGlynn, 18 years old, demands a penalty. He says he wants one. He comes up, cool as you like, slots at home, sends the keeper the wrong way. The union lead the penalty shootout 2-0, or in American soccer terms, dos a cero. Now, a shootout usually is five kickers per team, and then if it's still tied, you go to a sudden death, a sixth, a seventh, etc. Very rarely will a shootout end after three or four kickers, and yet Nashville was in that spot. They needed to convert this fourth kick. Walker Zimmerman, one of the better defenders in the league, team captain, he's captain the U.S. national team. He steps up, and he misses wide and to the right and high, exactly like Moyle did. The place, I, I don't know how the building is still standing with all the people screaming and jumping. It was the most humiliating shootout performance I've ever seen from a team from Nashville, especially a team whose manager had run his mouth a week ago. And an incredible goalkeeping performance for Andre Blake. I've seen guys make three saves in a row in a penalty shootout. He saved that third and fourth shot, even though he didn't come near it, by making those first two saves. Those guys figured, man, i got to put this in the top corner. That's the only place he can't get to it. And what do they do? They skied it. One of them may have even gone out of the stadium. I don't know. It was missed that badly. And I know you had the camera view from the sideline, right? Did they show the behind the the keep behind the player view rather during the game? I don't remember because that's I, the view I have for where my seats are. Right, and it was just like clearance for takeoff, pandemonium. The Union are through. We don't know who the opponent is yet. We're recording Monday night. Tomorrow night, New England and New York will play. So by the time you hear this, you may know who they're playing and where. If New York wins, the match is in Chester. If New England wins, the Union go up to Boston. But whatever happens, this is far and away the greatest season that the club has ever had. CONCACAF Champions League semifinals, the MLS semifinals, tremendous, tremendous performance by the team, tremendous performance by the fans. I really don't know what more there is to say. You, you, you and I were texting earlier, like, oh, we'll talk about the union. I'm like, John, I don't know what to say. And you were like, well, you're at one of the biggest spots. I don't know what to say. I Which just don't know what to hard say. hard to do. It is, yeah. I say that with respect. <laughs> it, is, it is hard to get to that point with you. We've that, been watching sports you know. for combined, what, seven decades at this point? Somehow, every time I go to that park, I'm seeing something I never would have imagined. And that takes a lot. So a, a couple of things, just from, you know, my point of view, watching it on TV, like it was hard to actually get the, the pandemonium uh, through the broadcast, partially because they couldn't really stay with a game because they were way late on the primetime sports center. Because that's what's important. Well, you know, ESPN, uh, they, you know, they always have their stuff together. Uh, but they, you know, they basically did a couple shots of the fans going nuts and then it was rollout and then, you know, sports center and they were talking about the NFL and it was kind of like, Oh, that seems like a bit of a letdown. Like, I think they led with the wrong thing. But as far as being in the stadium, you know, we've talked about, and you will talk about 
frequently how you were at the final game of the 2008 World Series. <laughs> that will be forever something you could brag about. I've never been to events, at least events that have turned out well in my team's favor. Uh, I've been to really bad losses, but I've never <laughs> been to the really great you know wins that you have. And is this the point so, where I mentioned that I invited you to the match yesterday and you decided that you couldn't come? Yeah, it's because I got home at 2 a.m. the day before. But, you know, I, I had a legit reason. Um, uh, I mean, I, I tried, John. I tried. Here, here's, here's my thing. So you've been at, you know, at least those three. And, and actually, within consecutive weeks, you've had about as epic consecutive games as you yeah. could possibly have. How do those three games, or at least how do those games rank all time for you? Wow. And some of that could Put depend on, on what here. ultimately. Some of that could depend on what ultimately happens. No, I, the the Phillies winning the World Series. Wherever I watched that game, whether it was at the stadium or you know with my family or in a bar or locked up in a room by myself with padded walls, is going to be number one simply because of what it represented, right? Especially for me, the the, the Philadelphia championship drought basically right. started with my birth. Okay, (laughs) the Sixers won the NBA title. No titles were given out before I was born. And then we didn't win again for 25 years. So being there was like the cherry on top of the Sunday of relief, right? The Eagles winning the Super Bowl. That was was for context for people that are too young to remember. Yeah, That was when we were having (laughs) parades for Smarty Jones because we were that desperate for something. And Smarty Jones, by the way, was a horse. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl was kind of like I don't want to say surreal because but you weren't at that game. I'm just going right. with games that but you still, were actually physically at. Right? No, I know, but I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to stall while I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I gotta man, the the best games. I mean, it's got to be up there simply because, like you said, there really aren't many good ones right like i'm trying to think of eagles games i've been to and the most memorable eagles game i went to was when i think it was ed reed returned an interception for 100 some yards in baltimore and kevin cobb came in for donovan McNabb. no i'm sorry see i forgot we we talked about it before probably the most memorable one i was at was the for who for what game exactly i was, I was at that, that game yeah. i was at the the kevin cobb game um because i i happened to go to the game in Baltimore with uh, family. But the Eagles, I was at the playoff game where they lost to the Packers. Um, I went to a couple Sunday night games where they got embarrassed by the Cowboys and the Cardinals uh, in recent years. The Sixers, I, I, was at, I, I was at the game the Sixers beat the Bulls. Uh, game three, I think it was, in 2012. And... That was really, really cool because I had never been to a basketball game of that magnitude where you know, the home team was involved and then won the game. The stakes, not as high as the World Series, I would argue. The stakes, not as high as either of the matches at Subaru Park. Right. And that was a very fluky run. I was at uh, at least one Bulls game and then right. it was, a, a it was entirely because yeah. Derek Rose got hurt. Exactly. Was the Uncut Gem I, series? I was there. <laughs> what a terrible movie! That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I was there when the Phantoms won the Calder Cup in their second year, 
and I was there with my dad and we'd had season tickets and that was really special. But see, I don't want to fall into recency bias, but for games where a team didn't get a trophy afterward. Yeah. I mean, those have got to be two of the, it can't really get better than that. Can it? A guy scores no. a goal in what was actually the 130th minute of soccering to win a match to move on, and the other team loses. And then eight days later, your goalie turns into friggin' Superman, and the other team melts like a stack of butter in an oven. And it it's not your team that's doing That's the stuff that happens to the union. That happens to Philadelphia teams. And for, for that to happen for us... I mean, as far as non, like I said, non-trophy winning games go, it would be really difficult to surpass that. I was there for game two in 2008 when the Phillies played the Brewers in the in the playoffs. I was there for Brett Meyer's walk for Shane Victorino's Grand Slam. And the the, the feeling in the building, the feeling personally and afterward, like that was a high that kept you going through the end of that series. This is on that level easily, for sure. Being there in these last two games, and I, like I said, by the time you listen to this, there could be another one next Sunday. Like, we could have another chance to see something spectacular. And, and you really put me on the spot there, but I, I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to fall into recency bias or, or soccer bias, but yeah, if you want me to rank things, the top three non games where trophies were given to Philadelphia teams. They've got to be two of the top three. But since you put me on the spot, what's your best game that you've been to? That's a tough one. I can't believe you sat here and listened to me talk for like 35 minutes and and the thought never came (laughs) into your mind that I might ask you the same question. Because like I said, there's a lot of losses in in these (laughs) these memories. Um, Yeah, I was cycling through a few of those too. Definitely the the highest stakes game. Actually, they're both in the same season. Um, As regular listeners might know, I I went to St. Joe's and I've been going to St. Joe's basketball games since I was like six years old. Um, so both from the 2004 perfect season run, they had that clinching game against St. Bonaventure at home. And at the time that was the hottest ticket in town. Like that was the rare scanning tickets to get in (laughs) game, which I don't know if it had ever happened before there. And St. Bonaventure was garbage back then. So it was almost uh, as, uh, as gimme a gimme as there was. I think the only, uh, player of note that they had was Marquise Green, who's actually from Philly, uh, I believe, or at least the Philly area. And uh, so it was that game. And then in the same season when they lost, <sighs> you can make me do this, uh, that when they lost up in New Jersey, 6.9 seconds left on the clock, <laughs> longest car ride. It is really hard to get my family speechless, all four people in the car ride home speechless for two hours. That game achieved that. So in the same season, that was sort of the best and worst game weeks apart. And Again, as far as let the record show, I didn't ask for the worst one, John. I didn't want you to go no, down that no, but I sad just hole, there, but you I go decided down to take the drive down the turnpike yourself. But as far as pro games, I really have to think there's been I, I didn't go to a single playoff game during that Phillies extended run there. Um, my cousin went to the Roy Halladay playoff no hitter, and he will talk about that frequently, which <laughs> Of course you would. Um, 
but I'm sure there's been some regular season games in there mixed in probably the Sixers games that I mentioned earlier too. They, I mean, they were, they were up there. So some mix of it, I'm sure I'll think of one as soon as we're, we're finished, but uh, <laughs> I, my hats off to you. I am, I, I, me not going might have actually clinched it in favor of the, uh, in favor of the union. What was your take watching it on television? Like, I know that you can't speak for the atmosphere because, you know, you were watching it on a rectangular box. And like you said, you didn't get to take in any of the post game because they went to go talk about there the was NFL. no post game. <laughs> but was and and we talked about this a little over the summer with the Euros. You told me you tuned in and of course you found yourself watching a shootout. Maybe maybe we shouldn't have you watch the next game because I don't think I could handle another shootout. But what was it like for you as I won't even use the word fan as somebody who is casually aware of the sport and what's going on uh, by proxy, mostly uh, through me talking about it for 15, 20, 85 minutes at a time. What was your take on it? Just watching it, like how, how gripping did you find it late in that extra time? And then as it got to penalties, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. <laughs> One reason why I have, trouble getting into soccer is because I don't know if it really translates well to TV. There's just something There's about it. There's an interesting it. take. I, I, and ironically, you know, baseball is my favorite sport. Yeah, that also does not translate well to TV. It's it's a much better game on the radio. It's the only but, sport you can see on the radio, as they say. Right. Um, but I, I, I think something is there. There's just like an, an atmosphere thing that, the, that it doesn't capture. I, I can't put my finger on it i just i don't know why it just isn't that way for me but again every time i've gone i've enjoyed myself um which probably means i have to to go more often um, you think <laughs> but there's just if something... only you knew somebody with tickets if only if only. Um, i'll see if i can find somebody but for you it, it, it's weird like like i said i i can't put my finger on it it's it's and it's weird too like when i go to football games in person it doesn't translate well in person but like it's much better on tv uh and i think it's because they felt there's so much dead time when you're there in person versus when you're watching it on tv there's like three replays in between the actual play and like they're going to commercial like so you know there's there's a way that it, it, it gets filled for me i think basketball is probably the the sport i enjoy most in just about any medium um, but I, you know, I've pushed off my answer long enough for me, penalty shootouts in soccer aren't, they're it's brutal. hard to explain. They're, they're not absolutely brutal. They're not quite the same as they are in, in other sports. Like I, I think it's like in hockey specifically, which is, I, I, I know, and we could debate the actual, the merits of the shootout in one way or the other. I think it's a little bit better because there's a little bit more one-on-one -on -one with the two players moving. Versus soccer, where you're just sitting there and like the goalie has very little chance. So I think that that actually takes some of the drama out of it for me because you're just like it, it's it's almost more dependent on the other team missing, which happened this week, than the other way around. Uh, you know, all respect to keepers everywhere, but for me, it, it was actually the game itself was much more exciting than the actual shootout because I think that's when the game is going on it's 
something could happen at any moment. But with the shootout, you're you kind of resign. You're resigned to like, all right, the finality is upon us. Right. So for me, the game itself was much more dramatic than the actual shootout because it was almost again me having watched the Flyers my entire life. It was well, this isn't going to end well. And then <laughs> guess what? I was wrong. It, it was could not have wrong. ended better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so it, it was. It's a little weird for me. I, I think. You know, I'll put my bias out there. And, you know, I think the broadcast did a fine job, but it wasn't quite the same as I, I think being there for you. Like I didn't get you. Obviously, you could kind of catch the elation, but it, it wasn't quite the same for me as it is with other sports. Just to bring it around to a close, I will say that this match was on the polar opposite of the spectrum from the previous match. The Union outshot Nashville 21 to 7 but not enough of those shots got on target. A lot more chances to be had, a much more exciting match. I, I will say that I think your assessment of penalty shootouts is a bit off base. In every shootout, somebody is going to take a poor penalty, at least one. The drama comes from a keeper making a save. You're right, it's difficult. It's incredibly accurate, difficult. Yeah. It doesn't happen as much as you know you'd like it to, but... You saw it last night when Andre Blake made that first save. It wasn't over, but there had been no momentum because they hadn't started. And then it swung immediately to the union side. When he made the second save, it was just like, all right, where's the final nail? They are toast. If the union had gone on to lose that shootout after that, it would have been one of the all time most gutting. I can't say loss because it was technically a draw. And I am the king of semantics in that regard. It would have been one of the most gutting eliminations in city history. And I'll leave it at that. Actually, before, and before we wrap up, I'm reminded of the actual best game I've ever been at, which was a high school soccer game that almost had the exact same thing. It was a, it was a playoff game. Are you serious, John? You're going to cite a high school playoff game compared well, to some of the I'll, ones. I'll oh say my this, it, it was very wow. similar. Well, I was in high school at the time. So therefore <laughs> it meant a whole lot more, or a little more investment, but uh, it was not only, a shootout, but it was a, a double shootout. So it was tied after the first set that then went to a second set and then they went to sudden death after that. So in terms of an event being drawn out, I, I was suddenly reminded of it as you were, you were speaking. That was probably the most dramatic event I've ever been at. Well, we need to get you out to more soccer matches, what we need to do. I think so. <laughs> the union will be playing in the Eastern conference final on Sunday, three o'clock on ABC if it's against New England, it'll be up in Foxborough. If it's against NYCFC, it'll be in Chester. And the levels of noise will be off the charts. The loudest it's ever been record will be broken 130 times. And if the Union win that match, MLS Cup Final, December 11th, there's still a chance that could be a home game. So we're rooting for Salt Lake on Saturday and then the Union on Sunday if the Union win and Salt Lake beats Portland, the MLS Cup final could be right in our backyard. That would be absolutely bonkers. And I'm starting to sweat at just the thought of it. So let's take it one week at a time. Sunday, 3 o'clock, turn off the Eagles game. You can put Merrill Reese on the radio. Turn on ABC. Watch the Union play for a spot in the championship match. I've put it off long enough. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about the Eagles. The tone of the conversation, 
I think is going to change just a little bit. I don't know about you, but I've got some thoughts and I'm not happy about them. Speaking of games that we could have turned off, that was one of them. <laughs> but anyway, let's go to we'll break. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. We'll be right back here in the Philly Frenetics podcast. Stick around. We're back here in the Philly Frenetics podcast. John, we just got done talking about good football in and around Philadelphia. Now it's time to talk about the Eagles. 13-7 loss at the Giants on Sunday. An absolutely pathetic performance. A pathetic result. An incredibly frustrating and I would say easy to predict result even though we both chose not to predict it. I mean, I at least got the Giants' score right, but there, there is absolutely no excuse for, for, for a professional team to lay that huge of a turd in public. I, I don't know what... I, 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 I don't know what. That's, that's really all I can say. I don't know what. Well, I think the broadcast actually got off to a bad start because they started talking about how Giants head coach Joe Judge was from North Philly, which, if you check Twitter at that very moment, dozens of Eagles fans noted that he was not from North Philadelphia. and He's from then, north of Philadelphia. Right, and then they later <laughs> sort of corrected it in the broadcast yeah. to say that he spent time at St. Joe's Prep in <laughs> North Philadelphia, which is vastly different. Everyone I also don't think that's goes, exactly right either. <laughs> no, well, it's not like he even finished four years there. I, I don't want to get hung up too much on, you know, the, the broadcaster misspeak. Well, that makes that was... you better than most of the people on Twitter because that's the kind of stuff that drives Eagles Twitter crazy. Uh, not exactly the the top broadcast teams being sent to cover the Eagles. And uh, they've shown why. Something. They've yeah. shown why. They've shown why. Absolutely. I, I, I use the word pathetic because... The Giants are a team with absolutely no direction right now, right? They literally fired their offensive they coordinator. They fired their offensive coordinator week. six days before the game. They only scored 13 points. And that was in large part due to, you know, the Eagles handing the ball over every time they got it. I, I don't blame the defense for yesterday. You hold a team of 13 points, you should expect to win. Right. right. Even if they're they, not they getting were, takeaways, you've done your job. They were they they were swallowing up ball carriers. They were making tackles. Yeah, Daniel Jones hit some receivers. It was pathetic. As I said, I'm going to let Jonathan Gannon and the defense off the hook here. They were not the problem. Uh, two guys mainly were the problem, with a third one making a really late charge up the problem standings, I think is a safe way to put it. Who was most at fault in your mind? I, I'm going to have to go back to the old reliables. Nick Sirianni. Jalen ding, ding, Hurts, ding, correct. Jalen Hurts did not play well yesterday, but what was the... A very close vote between those two for the, it, uh, the it GOAT a, of the game, and we don't mean the greatest of all time. Now, it, it's a 1-1A one one situation, but I, I have to give it... I, again, this is like these losses earlier in the season... The quarterback did not play well, but the coach did not put him in position to win. 
one of those things they're to self-inflicted. Me, one of those things to me is a whole lot easier to do than the other. I, to me, to go back to again what I've been talking about early on in the game, they had their chances to get some easy points on the board. Like they marched all the way down to I believe it was the two yard line. It's third and two and fourth and two, and they threw in both situations. When you're that close, like, you know, it's, this is one of those situations that makes you get a little wistful about Carson Wentz because he would just fall for it and that would be a touchdown. Jalen Hurts could probably do the same thing. Like, just, just do it. It's the same offensive line. They know how to do it. Like, that's the kind of situation to me where if you're the coach... And it's not like there was a, a field position gain to be had after that because that was at the end of the first half. You could get an easy touchdown in that situation just by falling forward on two consecutive plays. And that's a whole other ball game. Like, I believe it would have been tied, if I'm not mistaken, coming back from, from the half. And it's just, those are the kind of things, those little things. There were other issues throughout the game but to me if i'm going to put two or at least one drive under the microscope it's got to be that one because you were so close and when you get inside the red zone when you get inside the five yard line you have to score a touchdown you cannot either defer to a field goal which would have even been better than what they had or you could not not score a touchdown like those those points have to be had if you're going to win games and so this is the kind of thing that to me shows why even though it appeared to be turning around a little bit why our early trepidation about Nick Sirianni makes sense because we were worried that this was this was him at some point and it's turned it turned out yesterday this is him he just has that inclination to do something smarter than what he has to do. Just, just instead of taking the obvious solution, and I'm, I'm tired of it. It's just the kind of thing that we saw coming, and it, it happened again. And I, I'm just tired of it. Like again, kudos to him for making the adjustments to finally get the offense to where it's been the last few weeks. But why did it take so long? I tweeted something to this effect during the game, but you know, a leopard doesn't change its spots, and neither do football coaches, right? Unqualified, but a passing type of guy. In the last few weeks, he he pulled the wool over our eyes, and oh look, we can run the ball. We're the most dominant running team in the NFL the last few weeks. And then what happened? Like you said, he tried to get too cute. Oh, now we're gonna throw the ball, and. I believe their touchdown drive, they threw an incomplete pass, a terrible incomplete pass on the very first play, and then they had something like nine or ten runs and scored a touchdown. And they're not even throwing the ball to the right guys. Well, that's on somebody else, I think. But think back at who the Eagles coaches have been in the last 20 years, right? Andy Reid, he always wanted to throw the ball. His running game was screen passes, right? Chip Kelly... Talk about a leopard not wanting to change its spots. Holy crap, right? <laughs> Doug Peterson, who's going to always throw the ball. He abandoned the run. And, you know, he won the Super Bowl. And then, well, forget it. There's definitely not going to be a change now. Same thing with Nick Sirianni. This is an organizational 
situation that comes from the very top. We all know that Jeffrey Lurie wants to have an exciting passing offense. Well, you know what? You got to have balance. And I, I feel like such an old geezer screaming at clouds. And, and, and it's why I won't join you in the run the ball chorus. But you got to run the ball if that's what you're good at. I don't know that they're particularly good at it, but they've had success with it. Dance with the one that brung you. If it ain't broke, don't break it. And Nick Sirianni seems to be here to break it. That's all he wants to do. You talked about not putting the quarterback in a position to succeed. Holy crap, Jalen Hurts. Like, there are bad games, and then there's whatever he threw up there yesterday. I commented in uh, relation to, I, I want to say it was the, the, the game in Dallas, where he was just throwing up duck after duck. That came back yesterday with a vengeance. And then they've got passes where he's taking a couple-step drop and heaving the ball downfield, and he can't get it to guys, right? But he may not even have been the worst Jalen on the field for the Eagles. I think he was, but Jalen Rager, man, he really made a run at it. I'm not really as mad about the second-to-last play. He may have gotten pushed. Whenever you have to come back for the ball, it's a tough play to make. But that last one, it's the kind of play that I saw many people post and the thought crossed my mind as well. Kind of makes you miss Nelson Aguilar, right? That had to be the worst day for Jalen's in sports since Kobe torched Jalen Rose for 81. And I want to say it was 2006, maybe, maybe 2005, somewhere back then. Absolutely awful, awful day. The kind of day that would cause a quarterback controversy if the backup wasn't Gardner Minshew. You know what I mean? I do. And before we get too far off the Jalen's point, I think I have to go back to our preseason episode for the Eagles because you might recall I wrote a piece about you know what we have to look forward to at training camp this year. And one of the questions was, is Jalen Rager a bust? And I was we roasted have our answer. on this podcast for having the audacity to ask that question. And this is where... I'll be it's all about, about it. sample size, John. I just want to say I was right for asking the question. We can I think you now. asked the question at the wrong time. I didn't think Did that I? was a good time. To, yeah, because the guy had barely played an NFL season and he but, didn't even play a full season last year. But last year, I saw it last year. Actually, he was he seemed better last year than he has been this year. He's somehow gone backwards. John, that's really not difficult to do. He's being overshadowed right now by J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. That, that is the most damning difficult. comment possible, I think. Who was misidentified as a tight end in the previous broadcast. <laughs> by, I want to say, the same broadcast crew Possibly. two weeks earlier. <laughs> just, just an awful, awful day up at the Meadowlands. And, and the worst part about it is that I missed the first 45 seconds of the Union match because that kicked off at 5.30, I am convinced, because of the Eagles game. And I waited till the end of the Eagles game because I knew I would be talking to you about it. And also, they brought it down to the last play, and that's what we got. That's what we got. Just an unconscionably poor outing by everyone on the offensive side of the ball who has any sort of impact or authority. Terrible coaching, terrible quarterbacking, and then terrible Jalen Ragering. And, and I wonder I, what Monte Rager has to say about this one. I, I His Twitter account probably pretty quiet. Yeah, huh? I'm, I'm sure. I, I, honestly, I'd have to say the bigger question for me is uh, Dallas Goddard, what happened? 
Like he, I don't even you know, think I heard his name yesterday. Barely. And I don't remember hearing it at all. I am acutely aware of Dallas Goddard's status on the field because he is on my fantasy team and my playoff <laughs> hopes are just dimming. Part, Talk about poor as, management. As might the Eagles uh, playoff hopes because. I don't know, like, man. I, Dallas I, didn't look good no, last they, couple they weeks. Didn't. And now Mike McCarthy's is, got COVID and they've got a short, well, not a short week, a regular week. They play Thursday again against the Saints. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, that division it's, might still be there for the taking. We thought they were going to run away with it. They might run away with it if they get to 10, but they got to get there first. I mean, I, I don't know if there for the taking is is what we want to say. It's like, it, it's, it's here we go again. The, NFC could, East going to NFC East. This used to be the best division in football at some point. Like, that was a long, long time ago. It was. Back when there were five teams. So Back when the NFC East contained the Arizona Cardinals. That's when the Arizona Cardinals were the worst team by far. Yeah. And that, that was the one, like, when you went through the schedule, every, you know, it was maybe like, you when go they come one to Philly, one. you're going to win. Right. You, <laughs> when you, you go, go there, one, you're probably going to win. Yeah. You go one and one against every other team. And then when it comes to Arizona on the schedule, it's WW. You, know, you just you don't even think about it. And <laughs> those days are <sighs> long gone. Well, now the Eagles get to go back to MetLife Stadium. See, I- I've mentioned being a bowler on this podcast before. When I miss a spare when I'm bowling, almost without fail, the next frame or the frame after that, I'm going to leave the same spare. As if the bowling gods are saying, no, 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 you don't get to move on until you make this. That's what the Eagles are facing. Going back to MetLife Stadium, the football gods are like, no, 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 no. You're going to beat a bad team here or else you're going to keep doing this. If they lose to the Jets on Sunday, I'm not going to see the end of that game because I will be watching a different game. I'm saying it right now. I may not watch it at all. So if you're expecting Eagles commentary out of me on next week's episode, expect again (laughs) because I'm going to be watching, you know, a team playing for the right to go to play for a championship. But if the Eagles lose to the Jets, fire everybody, burn everything. That That's my deep analysis. Because losing to the Giants is pathetic and inexcusable. Losing to the Jets would be like relegate the Eagles to the new USFL. Actually, I think you're looking at this all wrong. It would actually be a first. The Jets have never beaten the Eagles, ever. Flat out, never happened before. In the history of the NFL, so is that you true? Can, that it, I've I've heard it multiple times today. It is a hundred percent true. You know, which you know, and the Eagles haven't exactly been the best franchise in the world over you know the last fifty years. So that tells you something about the Jets. I think more than it tells you something about the Eagles. The Eagles and Jets first met in nineteen seventy three. They've played 11 times and the Eagles have won them all. I guess see I, I guess in my head, I know preseason games don't count, but they play each other every year in the preseason. So Which I think that skews game, yeah. the fact. Yeah. But the reason the Eagles are playing the Jets is because this is the 17th game, right? And the way that the NFL did it was, you know, you have your division in the other conference that you play. You are matched up for your extra game with your uh I guess you know, sibling division, east, east, north, north, etc. And you play the team that finished in the same spot as you. So the Eagles are playing the last place team from the AFC East. 
and that's why they're playing the Jets. That makes this game like even less excusable to lose. A team that's never beaten you, that you're only playing because they're putrid and because you were putrid last year too. The Jets are going to win this game by like two touchdowns, aren't they? Well, I mean, honestly, See, you- like 20 minutes ago, we were talking about how great one of our teams is and like great memories and like great things are happening. And now we're back to the garbage. I mean, we, we why did you let this happen? We could talk about the Phillies. Well, yeah. What, what did they get up to this weekend? Oh, right. They've, uh, <laughs> well, that still puts them better than the Eagles, I think. I mean, to date, they've uh, expressed interest in reliever Corey Knebel as of within the last hour. Well, I mean, I've expressed interest in a lot of people over the years, and it hasn't really gotten me anywhere. So <laughs> hopefully by next week, Dave Dombrowski's got some uh, signatures on paper. Then again, we might have a lockout. So I imagine if the Phillies are going to do anything, it'll probably be in the next 48 hours or so. I, I, I'd imagine, like, I, I've seen enough rumors, but it, it is, as we're sitting here, and I'm sure something will happen as soon as we log off, I'm sitting here watching everyone else make moves, kind of going like... Well, they did sign Cliff did Lee I, at, like, midnight, something? right? Yeah. Cliff uh, Lee any, was a late-night shocker. Anything could happen. Well, I mean, we're talking about Phillies free agent signings in late November, early December, trying to save us from the Eagles. So I think this is the time where we save ourselves and just sign off for the night. How about that? That makes sense. <laughs> you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere else you get your podcasts. We're on social media, at Philly Frenetics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And, of course, our website, phillyfrenetics.com. We'll have quick picks this week where the Eagles head again to MetLife Stadium again to play the Jets, where hopefully they will run their all-time winning streak to 12-0. and uh, not really feeling optimistic, but of course, the biggest game, as I mentioned, the Philadelphia Union in the Eastern Conference Final, Sunday at 3 o'clock. If it's against NYCFC, get your rear end to Subaru Park if you can. If not, make sure you're watching that game. Put the Eagles on your second screen. Put them on the radio. Put them out of your mind. Put yourself out of your misery. Whatever it is you have to do, watch that game. Get behind this team. They are right on the edge of playing for a title And, hey, that's what we love here in Philly, right? Here's your chance to get in somewhat on the ground floor. John, I know you will be watching on Sunday afternoon, right? I mean... Right, John? I believe I'll be at another game. Just shake your head and say yes, John. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. And we'll talk about it next week. I'll see you then. See you next week. 